Welcome back to the What's the Breakdown podcast. Join us for today's episode, Let It Go. Hey everyone, it's Ben Stevens. Glad you're here with us on the podcast today. Today we're going to be looking at the idea of letting it go. We're talking about our past and our shame and our sin. You know, one of the foundational truths of being a Christian, one of the foundational truths of the Christian faith is that through Christ we are forgiven of our sins. We are washed clean. And this truth is just expanded upon throughout Scripture, especially the idea of a spiritual resurrection, that we who were dead in our sins have been raised to life in Christ and that we are no longer a slave to sin. But this is where the breakdown lies today, and this is what we want to talk about. So many Christians, and this is from personal experience and from experience as a pastor and a youth minister, so many Christians seemingly can't or won't leave their past behind. And so that's what we want to address today. So maybe as you're listening today, you're dealing with uh, some shame or guilt from some mistakes you've made or from your past or the repercussions of your past, or you just have a, you're just extremely hard on yourself and you feel like you're not good enough for God um, or that there's no way God could love you. There's no way he could forgive you. And we want to speak through those breakdowns today and, uh, and learn how we can let that go. In order to do this, though, we've, we've got to go to God's word because at the end of the day, I can give you advice, I can give you suggestions, I can give you thoughts, but the best place to go is the place that is 100% true from the mouth of God himself, and that is the Bible. And so we're going to go to his word today and see what it has to say, okay? So three things we want to talk about today. The first thing is this, that when we talk about being a Christian and we talk about putting our faith in Jesus Christ, there are a couple of things that happen in that process, and there are things we may not see in the moment, but there are things that are happening in the spiritual realm. There are things that are happening metaphysically that we don't see, things like redemption and reconciliation. And so what are those things? So when, when Christ died on the cross, remember, he died as a spotless lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice for sin, not just for some sins, but for all sin. And so when he died on the cross, something supernatural happened. See, we had, there was an outstanding debt that was owed to God, right? And, and one day we were going to be, and we are going to be called to pay this debt, this debt of sin, this offense against God. But when Jesus died, that debt was paid in full. The payment was offered up in full for all of that sin. And so the balance for us as Christians, once we put our faith in Jesus, our balance, our debt owed to God, the balance reads zero, okay? Because his sacrifice, Jesus' payment, paid our debt, and we join him in his death and in that payment, and we no longer owe God, but rather we are square. So by believing, when we put our faith in Jesus and confess that he is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we are redeemed from bondage because I think so many people don't understand this battle that's going on that when, we, when it says you're a slave to sin, we think we actually have a choice when we're not a Christian and we're, and we're struggling with sin and we're struggling with, with the things of this world and our flesh. We think we have a choice like, oh, I don't have to do that. I can, I can do something else. But the reality is this. If, even if you go from that thing or you quit doing that sin, you're going to go to something else because until Christ sets us free, we are slaves to our flesh. We are slaves to sin. We're in bondage to it. But once we believe and that payment has been made, we are no longer slaves to sin but have been bought by his blood. And see, this in turn gives us our worth. And so when we talk about being redeemed, right, we have been brought back to full value. The value that God intended us to have in the beginning because of Jesus' payment, that shows how much we're worth. So if you, if you think about going to the store and buying something, 
you know, you pay a certain amount of money because you believe that particular item is worth that much. And so that's how we, you know, generally gauge prices is that we're willing to pay this amount of money for this thing, and therefore that item is worth that much money. Think about what God did for us. God gave his only son, his only son, who is of infinite worth because his son is God in the flesh. He is infinitely valuable. And he gave his son as an exchange, as a payment for his children, for his church, for those who would believe. What does that tell us about our value? God has redeemed us and showed us how much we are worth to him, how much, how much value he sees in us. And it's an infinite value because he's made us in his image to be in right relationship with him, and he paid what he felt we were worth. And, and that, that should give us great encouragement today that God would be willing to give his son because he loves us. That's what John 3.16 tells us. Just let that sink in today. So we've been redeemed. Like we've been brought back to right value, but it didn't just stop there. Because it's one thing to, to pay the payment and say, okay, I'll get you out of trouble. I'll, I'll, I'll pay your debt. I'll make sure you're back to square zero. But that still doesn't fix the fact, or the, and, and if that was where it stopped, it still wouldn't rectify the fact that we are separated from God, that we're no longer in the relationship that Adam and Eve had with him when they were walking with him in the garden, and they were interacting with him on a very personal level. But see, when Christ died, he also gave us access to God again. So he didn't just pay the debt we owed God, but he gave us access to God. And, and most of you know the story that when he was crucified and and, and he gave up his spirit that the veil in the Holy of Holies was torn. It was ripped in two. And what that veil represented was that we could not access the presence of God before this, that the, the high priest once a year could offer sacrifices after he'd gone through his cleansing on behalf of everyone and could enter into the Holy of Holies one time a year. And that just showed how holy God is and how set apart he is for us because of our sin. We had no access to him. But when the veil was torn because Jesus paid our debt, what did that represent? It represented that now we do have access to God. We do have access to him through Christ. And let's listen to what the word has to say about this. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22, listen to what it says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, that's just what I was talking about. We can now enter the holy place, enter into God's presence because of the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, so he says, we can enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, verse 20, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain. That is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, because of Jesus, we can approach the throne of grace approach God with full assurance, not because of anything we've done, but because of Jesus's body. He's the curtain that allows us access to God. And that's an amazing thing. So not only has God redeemed us and given us our full value that he intended us to have, but he's made the relationship right, something we couldn't do on our own. So we can go to him. So today, if you're dealing with shame or struggle or, or, or guilt or whatever it may be, you have access to God as a believer. You can go to him to talk to him, to ask for forgiveness, to repent, and he's not going to push you away or turn you away, but he rather he's waiting for you, and he's going to forgive you as you come to him. He's going to hold you up. He's going to encourage you. 
And as a Christian today, that is one of the beautiful things about what Jesus did is we now have access to God. So not only are we redeemed and our debt is paid, but we are back into right relationship with the Father. We are no longer a slave, but we are a son and a daughter, and he is our Father. That's the way the relationship should be, and that's what he's done for us through Christ. We have been reconciled back into this right relationship. Just remember, God doesn't hate you and isn't mad at you if you're a Christian. He may want you to turn from your sin. He may hate sin and despise wickedness, but he loves you as a child and demonstrated that through Christ in the midst of your sin. So if he loved you while you were yet sinners, that's what Romans 5, 8 tells us, then why do you think he's not going to love you now when you've been made new? Just remember, you have access to him now because of Jesus Christ. You've been redeemed and you've been reconciled. The second thing I want to encourage you with today is that you are not perfect. We are not perfect. Like, hear me out. Christians are not perfect. We are just loved and forgiven by the God who is. We'll say that again. Christians are not perfect. We are just loved and forgiven by the God who is. That's a comforting thought because... Yes, we are supposed to aim for perfection. That's what the Bible tells us. We are also commanded to live holy lives separate from the world. But there's also a war going on within ourselves because the moment that we are made new, there's a battle going on, Paul talks about, that there's this battle going on between our, the, uh, the flesh and the spirit, between um, our bodies and our minds, that we are trying to be obedient to God while our flesh is trying to be rebellious because we are continually being conformed. It's not. I think some people get so caught up in the idea that, oh, I'm going to be, I gave my life to Christ today, and I'm beginning to follow Jesus, so I'm going to be just completely different. I'm never going to have to struggle with sin anymore. I'm never going to have these desires anymore. I'm never going to um, do this or that anymore, but it's not like that. Yes, God can take away our um, sinful desires, and he will as we continue to grow closer, but it's a, it's a process. God is transforming us. He's conforming us into the image of his son, and this is a process in which will not truly be complete until we are transformed into our new glorious bodies when we are resurrected and join him in the air. See, our flesh and our spirit are battling today, guys. So as we grow in our faith, we will continually die to those sins, and we learn what God has called us to do, and we are faithful and obedient. We will die to those sins and shortcomings because he's changing us by the way of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving and guiding and teaching and reminding us. But I do want to tell you this. If you're, if you're listening today and you're like, but Ben, I've made mistakes. I've sinned. I, I've, I've, been, I've been doing stuff I know I'm not supposed to be doing. Does that mean I've lost my salvation? Does that mean that, that I'm not God's anymore? Listen, if anybody tells you that a Christian is perfect, that a Christian can't sin, that a Christian doesn't sin, that they've not read the Bible because most of Paul's letters is talking to church. I mean, all of his letters are talking to churches or believers who are leading churches. And he says most of his letters is some sort of correction. Hey, you who love God, stop sinning, right? So there's no indication that, that Paul doesn't think Christians sin, but rather it's this process as we're trying to become more and more holy as we go. But I want to encourage you with this. In the book of 1 John, so if you, if you have sin in your life right now and you're, and you're worried that, that you've lost your place with God, that you have done too much wrong um, after you've made your decision to follow him, let this be an encouragement to you. Because remember, we've been reconciled to him so we can approach him. Listen to what 1 John says. Now, keep in mind, John is writing this letter to Christians. He's writing this letter to believers, people who have been baptized, born-again believers. And listen to what he says. This is 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. 
He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Guys, that should be an encouragement to us today as believers because here he's telling these, these Christians, listen, if you say you, you've not sinned or there's no sin in your life, you are a liar. You are a liar. He says, but here's the good news is that if we confess our sins daily, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin all sin, past sin, present sin, future sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. We can approach the throne today because of Jesus. Don't let your sin keep you away from God, but rather let your mistakes drive you to him because he's waiting with open arms to embrace you and claim his child has come home. Now, if you're a new believer today and you're listening and you're struggling and 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 you're, you're still kind of living in the old life, I, I, and you're like, why, why am I now doing all this bad stuff? Like, I didn't feel like I was doing all this bad stuff before, but now I'm doing all kinds of bad stuff, and I've become a Christian. Like, you need to know that's what happens when you become aware of your sin. You know, you need to know that's what happens when, when you recognize the law, because when we realize we've sinned against God, that what we've realized actually is that God has a law or a standard that we are supposed to uphold, that we are supposed to live up to, and we have it, which means we have disobeyed or broken his law and therefore sinned against him. And the moment that we are aware of that is the moment our, our flesh just comes to life and begins to desire all kinds of things that are against his law. Listen to what, what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. He, he sets this out pretty clear. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life. And I died. So just catch what he's saying there. He's saying, before I realized what God's law says, I was unaware of what, it, of what coveting was. I was unaware of what all this sin was. But the moment I realized God had a standard, all this sin in my life sprang to life. I saw it now. And so what's happening is that you're becoming more and more aware of your flesh. You're becoming more and more aware of the part of you that is rebelling against God and doesn't want to be part of, the, a part of what he's doing. And light is being shined in that dark place. And it doesn't like the light. So don't fret if you're realizing, oh my goodness, I'm doing all kinds of things I'm not supposed to do. Go to God. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to teach you. Ask him to guide you. Ask him to give you strength to be obedient. Because at the end of the day, God does not desire sacrifice. He desires mercy. He desires us to be obedient to him. When the, you know, when the when the disciples came to Jesus and they were like, God, increase or Jesus, increase our faith, increase our faith, give us more faith. And Jesus basically tells them, like, listen, guys, all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed, right, to move mountains. Like, you don't need a lot of faith because it's not about how much faith you have. It's about the object in which you place that faith. And so just a little bit of faith in the God of the universe is more than enough to conquer enemies, more than enough to conquer sin, more than enough to conquer the grave because it's the God that we have faith in that is powerful, not the faith. 
And so what does Jesus tell them? Instead of giving them more faith, he says, just do what I've asked. Just be obedient. And so when God tells us, hey, this is what's best for you. If you turn away from this, this is what's best for you. By faith, we say, you're right, God. We agree with you. We agree with you about, our, about your plan. We agree with you about our sin, that it is gross and, and awful, and we repent and turn away from that and change our minds about it into agreement with you. Now, we hate that sin, and you move from there day after day. You pick up your cross daily. When you make a mistake or when you fall, you ask for forgiveness. He's faithful and just forgive, and you move on, and you continue to follow after him. And that leads us to our third point. Do not live in the past. Now, I know this as well as anyone with struggles and addictions I've had in the past, that sometimes it's hard to let the past go. Sometimes you still feel like you're that person, like you can never be anything but that person because those, those mistakes or those, um, those addictions or those shortcomings or those problems seem to be so deep inside of you that you feel like that's just who you are. But that's not what the Bible says. Remember what God says about his forgiveness in Scripture. In Psalm chapter 103, verse 12 God tells us that he separates our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. We are no longer connected to those sins anymore. In the book of Micah in the Old Testament, chapter 7, verse 19, it says that God will hurl all of our sins, all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. He will take them from us and bury them. Why? Because Jesus has made us new. He didn't just wash the old us. The old us died with him. And the new us is raised to life. That's what Scripture says. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says anyone who is in Christ, anyone who has been buried with him, put their faith in him, is now in his body. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. We're a whole new thing. The old person, this is what Scripture says, the old is gone. So your past, as far as who, who you are, is no longer there. It's gone. That's no longer who you are. That's not to say we may not have to deal with some of the consequences of mistakes we've made in the past. That just is what it is. But it's no longer who you are. It says the new is come. You know, there's a song by, by Big Daddy Weave called Redeemed. And I love the line in the bridge where it says, I don't have to be the old man inside of me because his day is long dead and gone. I've got a new name a new life. I'm not the same, and I hope that will carry me on. See, guys, God makes us new. We're adopted into his family. We're given a new name. We're given a new identity. We're given our full worth. We are reconciled to our Father. Like We are not the same person anymore, and that's, that's encouraging because it means we don't have to look back and say, oh, that's who I am. We get to look back with, with humility and with thankfulness and say, that's who I was. Now, God's making me into who I will be. You know, the Scripture also tells us that God's mercies are made new every morning. So every day you, give up, you get up, God gives you another chance. God gives you the opportunity to be new. God gives you the opportunity to pick up your cross and follow after him, to chase after what he's called you into. You know, Paul tells us very clearly in Philippians that we are to forget what's behind Forget our past. Forget our mistakes. And this is coming from somebody, Paul, who killed Christians. Like, that's what he did, thinking he was doing it for God. And he's saying, listen, I, I forget what's behind me because I'm not that person anymore. I've been made new. I forget what's behind, and I strive towards what's ahead. I am chasing after what God has called me to heaven, heavenward. Okay? And this means today, guys, that you can lose your shame. You can lose that guilt. 
You can drop it. You don't have to carry that anymore because Christ took all of that to the cross and nailed it there and then took it to the grave. And so today, just know that you have freedom in Christ. You have freedom from your past. You have freedom from your sin. You have freedom from your guilt. And he's calling you into something great that you can't even conceive. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the things God has for those who love him. Just remember today, guys, that the devil is an accuser. He is the accuser, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, Jesus is the Savior, and he came that we, have, that we could have life and life more abundant. So today, start living that life. Live that life abundant. Live that life of faith that calls you into his presence. And as far as your old self goes, guys, today, just let it go. I hope that this has been a blessing to you and an encouragement. I look forward to seeing you guys next time. But as for now, thanks for joining us on What's the Breakdown. Join us next time on What's the Breakdown.